Love the Lord, say amen. I want you to turn in your Bible to a passage you should have memorized, but if you don't have it memorized, uh, you need to memorize it. It's Matthew 28, 19 and 20. It's called the what? The what? The Great Commission. While you're turning there, let me say to you that each Sunday for the next, we're, we're at the sixth, next Sunday will be the sixth Sunday of Sunday, or the third Sunday of Sunday Circles. We'll have six left. I want to encourage you to be, if you've not been to a Sunday circle, I'm on the verge of shaming you. I'll just tell you, as your pastor, I'm on the verge. It's every bit of, of one hour early. I know that's tough to think about, but we give you coffee and donuts, and we want you to be here for Sunday circles each Sunday. And in fact, where's everybody who went, we're at Sunday circles this morning. Amen. Great group of people. Had a great time. We talked about leadership uh, and so last week we talked about discipleship and, and you just get great truths uh, that are very practical. One today very practical to help apply in your life in every area of your life. And we're going to do that for the next six weeks. Uh, and so we want you to be at Sunday Circles. Uh, I'm, I'm resisting shaming you, uh, but uh, I'm just encouraging you. Uh, in fact, I want everybody to, to look around and just say, uh, hey, I'm, uh, I would encourage you to be at Sunday Circles and, and just be here next Sunday at nine, about 9.25. You get donuts and coffee. And in fact, while you're in the middle of Sunday Circle, if you, if you want more coffee, we got a little cart that just comes around and fills your pot or fills your cup and gives you another donut. It's a great time. And you're memorizing verses. You're growing in Christ. And when, when I dismiss them to discuss a point, it just comes alive. Uh, Jim, wasn't that great today? And so uh, just be here uh, for Sunday Circles this next Sunday at 925, uh, 930. Uh, and we, we, we're going to, hey, let me just say what my friend Jim Rapp said. You can't build relationships in rows. Uh, relationships are built in circles. You'll never get to know somebody staring at the back of their head. Michelle, you'll never get to know uh, anyone staring at the back of their head. And that right, Scotty. I, I, you know, Scott, I know Scotty well. Scotty, come to Sunday Circles next Sunday. Okay. He gave me a thumbs up. Uh, that's the only person I'm going to call out. Well, maybe not. Let me look at it. Let me get my glasses on. I don't know. I'd love to have you at Sunday Circles. I want to welcome some new members here uh, that uh, we've, uh, this last month, have plugged in and be become a part of our church. Joanna, is it Theo? Did I say that right? Joanna, where are you? Huh? John Anna. There you go. I didn't read that right. John Anna, stand up. Let's, we let's welcome her into our church family. God bless you, John Anna. Good to have you today. And guess where she was at 9.30 this morning? Sunday Circles. All right. And then Laura Perrin and her children, Gavin, Noah, and Blaine, they're all gone. Where's Laura at? Laura, stand up. Let's give her a big God bless you. Let her know we love her. Amen. And so we welcome them as new members. And let me just say, if you're searching for a church home, uh, you know what? Uh, uh, I, I believe you'll be blessed plugging in, getting, becoming a part of Church on the Rock north here today. So I want to encourage you to pray about that and plug in and get involved. Are you at the Great Commission yet? All right, here we go. Matthew 28. We've been talking about the disciple, what it really means to follow Jesus. Let's all read this together, everyone. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always even to the end of the age. That's Jesus' last words on planet earth. And my, weren't they awesome? He gave us a great commission to go into all the world and do what? Make disciples. 
You know, uh, Steve Morell in, the, in, in his book, The Wiki Church, said this. We spend all our effort and energy trying to build the church. Jesus said, I'll build the church. You make disciples. And so we're, we're doing our best to make disciples. In fact, last week we defined a disciple a little bit. And uh, Steve Morell helped me do that through the book Wiki Church. I don't have time to tell you why he named it the Wiki Church. You'll have to get the book and read it. I would encourage that. Uh, but we gave you three thoughts about who is a real disciple. What does it mean to be a disciple? And number one, we talked about the fact that uh, being a disciple or discipleship is a call to follow Jesus. Jesus, when he met his disciples, his first disciples, what did he say? Follow me. Everyone say, follow me. I'm telling you, he said, just follow me. In fact, one of the scriptures we'll read today, uh, or I'll, I may quote to you, it says, he called them just to be with him and that they would preach the gospel. You see, the first phase of discipleship is following Jesus. And how many of you know, just like we learned in Sunday circles, just like we learned in Sunday circles, that if you're going to follow someone, there has to has to be a high level of obedience and submission and loyalty. And that's what it takes to follow Jesus. And I love what it says about Peter and, and, and these guys. When Jesus came along and he said, follow me, the Bible says immediately they left their nets and began to follow him. I'm telling you, that's going to that's gonna dovetail into what I have to say in just a few moments. But I'm telling you, it's time for some people to do some things immediately today. It's time to make some decisions today about your following after Christ. We also learned last week that discipleship is a call to fish for people. What did Jesus say to Peter and other disciples? He said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. That's one of the, one of the parts of, of the church that we've kind of let, we thought evangelism was for Billy Graham. How many of you appreciate Billy Graham? But listen, that's not uh, the totality of evangelism. In fact, the Bible says the evangelist is to equip the saints for evangelism. And God taught us and teaches us that we need to fish for men. I want to encourage you this week to go fishing. I said, let's go fishing. Every day when you get up, let's go fishing. We need to start fishing. Fish on, hey, you can fish on Facebook or you can fish face to face. I think that's better. Uh, so let's go fishing. And let's, he said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And then the third element that, that I think is so important of, of being a disciple, it's a call to fellowship with others. There's never anywhere in Scripture where God called disciples to be so autonomously from the fellowship of the saints. And so I want you to understand that and realize that, that God's plugging us in. In fact, what did Jesus do with the disciples after they were filled with the Holy Spirit, after he rose from the dead and they were filled with the Holy Spirit? Peter gets up and preaches and the church is born. And from that point, I'm telling you, and really even through the, the life of the disciples, they were together. They were fellowshipping together. They were eating their meat and their bread from house to house. There was genuine fellowship. Let me tell you something. Fellowship is not shaking somebody's hand on the way in and out of church. Fellowship is a relationship, a lifestyle of connecting with the family of faith. Fellowship is not showing up at bingo night or whatever. You know, that's a part of it. But it's a, it's a lifestyle of connected, committed, caring uh, relationship for one another through the family of faith. So that was our, dis our, our discipleship defined. Everyone say a call to follow Jesus. A call to fish for men. 
And a call to fellowship with others. That's what Jesus... And that's what... Hey, when you look at the Great Commission, that's what Jesus told us to make. That's who we're supposed to be, and that's who we're supposed to reproduce as disciples, not just... Not just uh, attenders. Not, and, and let me just say about the Sunday circles. It's not our goal to fill up chairs. It's our goal to make disciples. Okay? But we know if you're not in the chair, you can't, you can't be a part of this discipleship process. That, hey, this is what we're here to do is make disciples. And everybody love the Lord. Say amen. Hallelujah. So, hey, let's jump into phase two this morning. Let's talk about discipleship decisions. There are decisions, as I said, you think about Peter and think about all these disciples, the responsibility they had to make what some might call snap decisions. They just, they immediately chose to follow Jesus. They left their nest. They made a break. Let me just say to you, some of you need to make a break for some things that got you all tangled up and, and, and undone from your relationship with Christ. They made a break and they began to follow Jesus. And as a result, they became disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. Turn to Luke chapter 14. We're going to look at a lot of gospel today. How many of you know you can't get too much gospel? What's the gospel? It's the good news. Luke chapter 14, verse 25. Uh, I want to just read some, some of the... It's good to read the red. I'm going to read the red, and you follow along with me. Now, great multitudes went with him, and he turned and said to them... Now, this, we talked about this uh, this past week in, in Mexico. We were sitting around. There's no big screen TV and very little internet. I had to do Facebook at 3 o'clock in the morning. That was tough, but I made it happen. And we realize that many times Jesus, we're trying to gather a crowd and Jesus is trying to, uh, trying to uh, weed them out. And here's what he says. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, he ha- and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Stop, wait a minute. That sounds tough. If he doesn't hate his brother, mother, dad, how many of you know Jesus isn't teaching us to hate our brothers and our mothers and our sisters? What's he teaching us? the priorities of life. And he says, basically, in fact, another passage in Mark, uh, I think it's Mark uh, chapter 10, he kind of tones that down just a little bit. And basically he says, "If, if you love your mom and daddy and brothers and sisters more than me, you got your priorities out of whack. So here Jesus is teaching priorities. He's teaching principles of discipleship. So here's the multitudes, and he, he, he doesn't start off with a chorus of just as I am. He says, hey, listen, if you don't have your priorities right, you can't be my disciple. If you don't love me more than everything else, you cannot be my disciple. If you don't follow me beyond what, uh, what you're following now, you cannot be my disciple. And whoever, verse 27, does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. You, you see, he wasn't telling you what you have to be to be one. He was telling you what you can't be. You can't do this. You can't do that. If you're going to be my disciple, you can't be watered down in your priorities. Are you with me? Say amen. And he goes on to say this. For which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it? Everyone say count the cost. And I want to tell you today, there's a cost to discipleship. He goes on to say, lest after he has laid the foundation, he is not able to finish and who sees it begins to mock him. He goes on to say, saying, 
This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going to make war against another king does not first sit down, sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who's coming against him with 20,000. Or else while the other is still a great while off, he sends a delegation and asks conditions of peace. So likewise, in other words, here's the point. Whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. Everybody go, wow. Man, that's, that's, that's tough stuff. And they had decisions to make. And all of us have decisions to make in our life. And, and, and Jesus is trying to teach us here in this story, in this illustration, this teaching that, listen, discipleship costs something. There's a cost to being a follower of Christ. It's going to, you know, we have a philosophy, you know, there's a philosophy in the, in, 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 especially in America, that when you come to Christ, man, everything, he blesses us. But how many of you know, you got to read these parts too. If you don't forsake all, you can't be my disciple. If you don't get your priorities straight, you can't be a disciple. And so all of us have decisions to make in life. We are faced with decisions. And Jesus would put people in a place of having to make a decision. And and, and, I know some of us, is anybody here married to people who are indecisive? If you're married to somebody who's indecisive, raise your hand. I got my hand way up there. I'm touching the lighthouse right now. You know, we about had a family feud last Sunday over lunch. And you know what I did? I was in, when I finally got through on the internet, one of the first things I said, somebody figure out lunch right now. Because I'm not, it ain't happening in my world again. We're not, we're not going to have a family feud about lunch. We're indecisive people. There's a lot of people been sitting on the fence. When it, am I going to become a disciple or not? Am I going to do this or not? Listen, Jesus never waited around for people to make up their mind. He said, if you're coming with me, let's go. In fact, one guy said one time, he said, well, I... Let me first go and bury my father. Now, there's no indication his father was dead yet. He just said, well, after the old man dies, I got priorities at home. He said, let the dead bury the dead. You come follow me. Whoa. Everybody say discipleship decisions. I made up some that go along with Scripture. So let's just do them. This may be fun. It may be, and, and, uh, and some of them may apply to you. Some of them may not. I've got, I've got six decisions. One out of six ought to hit some of us, and maybe all of them. Here's one you, we all have to make. Am I going to hang on or let go? Everybody, everybody say that. Am I going to hang on or am I going to let go? Matthew 19, verse 16 through 22 is the story of the rich young ruler. And you can, hey, write that uh, passage down. Matthew 19, 16 through 22, it's the story of the rich young ruler. And he wanted to follow Jesus. And I won't go into the story in detail. Uh, but he was teaching about discipleship. And, and the, the, disciple, the, the rich young ruler came and said, you know, what do I do to follow you? And, and so he knew his heart. And for him, he said, was give all, sell everything you have and give it to the poor, and then you come follow me. How many of you know for a rich person, that's hard to swallow? And he went, mm, ouch. Now, how many of you know Jesus was not teaching poverty? You know, if you're going to be a disciple, you've got to be in poverty. 
Jesus was not teaching that, but he was looking at the rich young ruler. And here's the question for the rich young ruler. Was it wrong for him to have stuff? No. It was wrong for his stuff to have him. There's a big difference. In fact, did you know Nicodemus, the one who came? Nicodemus, uh, uh, Nicodemus, what did he do for Jesus? No, pardon me. I got him mixed up with the rich man of Arimathea, Nicodemus, different guy. Rich man of Arimathea, what did he do for Jesus? Anybody remember? He, he paid and gave his burial plot to the crucified Christ. He was rich. But riches didn't have him. And so here's the principle. Are you going to hang on to something? Or are you going to let it go? Did you know Jesus taught a principle, if you let it go, you can get it back? But if you hang on to it, you'll lose it. It's getting quiet in here, Jim. You might have to amen twice. Look what he said in Matthew 10, 19. He who finds his life will lose it, but he who loses his life for my sake will find it. If you're willing to let it go, there's a way God works it out where you can get it all back. Can I tell you a story? Can can I tell you a story? Can I give you a personal illustration? Yes, I can. I'm the pastor. I'm up here. I'll do it. How long have we been here, Beverly? Pardon me? Over 17 years. Now, if you know anything about us, you know that we have our little home that we purchased or that we built with our little hands uh, over 25 years ago uh, at Equipment, Texas on the lake. Anybody ever been to Pastor Sam Blake House? Okay. Well, great. Well, we love it. We love to go there. Uh, and we're not ashamed to go there, but we couldn't afford to go there and be here. And so when we were moving, uh, I just couldn't in my mind comprehend uh, anything other than I've got to sell this house. I, this is our little dream home. A little late. How many of you just, ooh, man, it, uh, we love it. And so I'm standing out on the dock, however many years ago, and I'm coming to the place where I realize that I can't let this thing control me. I've got to give this up. I've got to offer it to the Lord. We've got to run away over there. If it's not bugging anybody, bugging me. So I'm sorry. I, <laughs> when you get a runaway, it kind of scares me. I'm responsible. All right, thank you. So I'm standing out on the dock, and I'm going, hmm, Lord. And I finally, in my heart, I finally release. I said, God, I give this to you. I, I'll offer it up to you. I realize that, uh, that, that I can't let this keep me from being and obeying you. And so I offer it to you. This is yours. And I lay it down. And I heard this in my heart immediately. You can keep it if you want. I went, you can keep it if you want. Long story short, here about three years ago, we started leasing it out uh, on a weekly basis or a weekend basis. You know what? Today, Beverly and I have a part-time job. And we make extra money leasing our house. And when we go down there and I stand out on the dock, I realize God was thinking about me 18 years ago, however long it was, when he said, you can keep it if you want. He, he, he has my best interest at heart, but I couldn't let that thing hold me. Hey, you can't let things hold you. you got, if you're going to be a disciple, you, you, are you going to hang on or let go? And I promise you, when you start letting go of some things, God will begin to bless you in ways you've never been blessed before. He wants to bless his disciples. That's a big decision all of us need to make. Everybody say, hmm, am I going to hang on or let go? Huh, look at your neighbor and say, hmm, are you going to hang on or let go? 
I would encourage you from personal experience and from the passages from Scripture that it, will, it would behoove you and benefit you just to let it go and say, I'm going to let it go. Number two, another decision every disciple has to come to the place of making. Am I going to have faith or have fear? Am I going to trust God and have faith or am I going to walk in fear? Now, without turning to the passage, you, t- you take notes. Matthew chapter 8, uh, really all through there, Jesus is teaching discipleship principles. He's talking about discipleship and what it means to follow Christ. And then it says that he got up and got in the boat and was going to go to the other side. of the, And the, the Bible says, and the disciples followed him and got in the boat. How many of you know when it's time to go, it's time to go? And they got in the boat and Jesus was tired. And what did he do when they got out in the sea? He took him a big old nap. He was tired. And they got out into the sea and the storm came. And the winds blew. And the Bible says the disciples feared. And they, they woke him up and they asked him a question that was kind of irritated. They were irritated at the Lord. Listen, the last person you need to be irritated with is Jesus. If you're going to be his disciple, don't be irritated with him. They said, Jesus, Jesus, don't you care that we're perishing? And Jesus got up and he saw the winds and the waves. I always wondered if he was just kind of peeking out of the side of his eye. I don't think, I think he was really asleep. And he said, oh, ye of little what? Faith. And then he rebuked the storm and everything was calm and they got to the other side. Now, Do you think Jesus wasn't thinking about what was about to happen when he owned the dry land? He was talking about principles of discipleship. And then he got his disciples out in the middle of that circumstance and he taught them a big principle. If you're going to be a disciple, you got to come to the place where you choose. This is what I'm going to decide. I'm going to trust him and I will not fear. Because if I'm following him, he will never leave me or forsake me. Hey, come on now. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. Why? Because thou art with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Ooh, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. I think I'm getting it right. Surely goodness. Oh, here's a part. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Now, catch this. You follow him. Surely goodness and mercy will follow you. And I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Everybody go, hmm. Am I going to have faith or have fear? Hmm. Ask your neighbor, hmm. Are we going to have faith or are we going to have fear? Here's another one. Decision number three, discipleship decision. Am I going to be a fan or a follower? Oh, there are a lot of fans of Jesus. Did you know that? Oh, he had a lot of fans, especially when he started handing out fish and bread. We get our, oh man, we get our freebies. I love to go to the state fair. Freebies. We found pickles that'll, oh, you slap your granny for another pickle. Tastemypickle.com. They're not cheap. But I'd go by about every two or three minutes and go, hmm, what are these? Hoping they didn't recognize the return. I was a fan. There's a lot of fans of Jesus. In fact, Jesus rallied up a bunch. In fact, you go to John chapter 6. You look it up. I don't have time to validate all this for you. John chapter 6. Man, the fans, they were following Jesus. Woo-hoo! He's handing out fish and bread. Man, they loved, they began to follow him. Uh, and then he started saying hard things. 
He started teaching things like, eat my flesh, drink my blood. They didn't get it. They said, oh, this is a hard saying. And it says there in John chapter 6, from this time forward, many of his disciples followed him no more. They were just fans. And Jesus looked at Peter and said, you're going to leave me too? And Peter said, well, this is my, heck no. You're the one who has the words of life. Where else are we going to go? How many of you know Peter had it pretty much settled in his mind? Now, now there's some CEO Christians. I don't know if you've ever met any CEO Christians. You know what a CEO Christian is? Christmas and Easter only. The CEO Christians, you ask them, you talk to them, oh, they're big fans. We went to church on Easter. And we're planning on Christmas. They're CEO Christians. You ask them, are you, are you a follower of Christ? Oh, absolutely. I got a feeling they're just a fan. And so you got to ask everybody, hmm, hmm. Everybody, hmm. Now, come on now. Everybody, hmm. Am I a fan or a follower? You got to ask, your, look at your neighbor and say, are you a fan or are you a real follower? Because I'm going to tell you, a follower, even if it gets hard, he just keeps following. A fan will bail on you in a moment. Listen, uh, they'll bail on you if things don't go right. They'll bail out on you. Oh, man, I've had a lot of fans as a preacher. Woo! And, man, the people who sing my praises the loudest, I, I watch them the closest. As I've learned, those that pat you on the back the hardest, sometimes they got a knife in the other hand. Woo-hoo, look out. Are you a fan or are you a follower? It's a big decision all of us need to make. Number four, am I going to be bold or be quiet? That's a question we need to, that's a choice we need to make. Am I going to be bold with my testimony of Christ? Or am I going to be quiet? Now, if you remember what Jesus, the second part of our three-part definition is, hey, a a, a disciple is one who follows Jesus, but one who fishes for men. Listen, you can't fish for people without communicating with them. And he said, he called his disciples to be with him and to preach his word. Open their mouth wide and share what Christ has done for them. You see, when we see the word preach, it makes us think of me or makes us think of Billy Graham or T.D. Jakes or, or these, you know, preachers and, and, and people who get up every Sunday morning. But listen, all of us are preachers. We're proclaimers. We're to be proclaimers of the gospel. And we have to choose. We have to make a decision in life. And listen, there are opportunities every day to either be quiet or be bold. Every day. And the easiest way to make those decisions is before you get into the face of them. Am I going to be quiet or am I going to be bold? Am I going to step up and speak his word or am I going to hush my mouth? And, and uh, that's what Jesus called his disciples to do. He said, I called them that they might be, this is Mark chapter 3, that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach. Now, if you go fast forward to Acts chapter 4, after the church is born and 3,000 plus people are born again, and I'm telling you, these Pentecostal folks had done rattled the religious bars and they were stirring up the, they were stirring up the whole city and the religious people gathered together. The religious leaders said, we better hush this up or it's going to get out of hand. And you know what they told them to do? They threatened them and told them, don't ever speak again in the name of Jesus. 
Don't do that anymore. And these disciples, followers of Christ, said this. Whether it's right or wrong, you can be the judge. But we can't stop speaking about what we've seen and what we've heard. We can't tell. And they threatened them and they said they couldn't do anything more because of the people. In other words, the the positive peer pressure was all over. And let let me throw this out. The devil's biggest deal is to hush your mouth. Look at your neighbor. Look at your neighbor. Get them. See the whites of their eyes. Come on. Seriously. Look at somebody. And say the devil's biggest deal is to hush your mouth. It's true. And we've got to make a decision. If I'm going to be a disciple, am I going to be bold or be quiet? I thank the Lord for people who were bold in my life. I thank the Lord for a young, kind of uncoordinated young guy who was younger than me. I was a senior, uh, no, I was a junior in high school, about to be a senior. And he walked up to me in the middle of the football field, and he started getting up all in my business about my milk toast Christianity. And he got, he, he got under my skin in a good way. I thank God for my speech teacher who said, I'm praying about your commitment to God, God, God. Stirring me up and realizing, hey, there is an influence that is trying to hush my mouth. And I really believe as a child, the enemy was after me to trying to hush my mouth. He, it didn't work. It didn't work. In fact, I might talk all day. Listen, am I going to be bold or am I going to be quiet? You've got to make that decision. Listen, that's what discipleship is all about. Here's another one. Here's another big discipleship decision. Am I going to step up or step back? Remember Peter before he got filled with the Holy Ghost? What happened? He was a big mouth. He was. Jesus started talking about what was about to happen. Everybody's going to leave me. Uh-uh. I'll never let Yeah, you're going to deny me. For the rooster crows three You're going to deny me. No way. I'll never do that. And he denied the Lord just like Jesus said he would. And the Bible says he went out and wept bitterly. Why did he go out and weep bitterly? Because what he thought he was, he was not. And what did he do under pressure? When things got... First thing he did... And a disciple has to make this decision. Listen... When things get tough, am I going to step back or step up? And the resurrected Christ found Peter. He had stepped way back. He had gone way back. Push him back. Push him back. Way back. He was back at the Sea of Galilee trying to catch a fish. When just a few short years earlier, Jesus stepped into his life and said, If you'll follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. And, and in a moment of weakness, he stepped way back. And the sad thing was, all his buddies stepped back with him. And the resurrected Christ, and I think some people may be right down this road this morning, the resurrected Christ 
John 20 and 21, you read it. Step back into his life. You know what Peter had realized? I've been a fan, but not a real follower. I've been a denier, but not a disciple. In a time of pressure, I stepped back. Did you know Hebrews says this? God has no pleasure in those who draw back. Hebrews 10, 38. If anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But how many of you thank God for the mercy of God? Woo! Jesus, the resurrected Christ, came walking along the sea. Peter, eyes peeled on him. Focus. It's the Lord. You know what that immediately shot through his soul? He's the God of a second chance. The Bible says Peter bailed out of the boat. Man, I'd love to have been there for this one. Walked back up to the Lord. Jesus wasn't there going, there you are, you sorry, deny me. Let's have lunch. Now, this is my divine imagination. I, I know you've caught nothing, but I got some. He walked back into Peter's life. And he said, Peter, do you love me? Well, evidently not the way you need me to love. Well, feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? How do I miss him? Feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. You know what he was giving him? An invitation to step up. Today's an invitation for, listen, some of us, we've made a career out of drawing back in a time of tension. It's time to step up. Good. For goodness sake. For heaven's sake. It's time to step up. Real disciples have to make this choice. Am I going to keep stepping back or am I going to... It's time to step it up. And Peter and the disciples, they got, they got back into the place of obedience and following Christ and went to Jerusalem and waited on the promise of the Father and the Holy Spirit was poured out. And there's old Peter, was a denier a few days ago. He's about, he's about probably 40 to 60 days out of having the worst decision of his life. He went from weeping bitterly. You listen to me today. He went from, uh, from a failure to a genuine follower of Christ and in his moment, he stepped up and he boldly proclaimed the gospel and thousands of people came rushing into the kingdom of God because he said, I'm sick and tired. That's gravel in my mouth. When I stepped back, it was bad. And now I'm stepping up and I'm going to follow him. And he did to the day he died. Whew. That's what discipleship's all about. Who? Can you handle one more? I don't know if I can. That one about wore me out. You won't find my kind of preaching on too many TV channels. It's, I'm old school sometimes. 
Here's one more. Discipleship decision. Am I going to check in or check out? Kind of the same as the other one, but in the context. Let me give you this quote from Wikichurch, Steve Morell. Contrary to Western evangelicalism's obsession with the individual. Let me stop and comment. Listen, the church is all obsessed about us. Have you read those books? Yeah, some of you are afraid to raise your hand. Hey, there's truth in all books. I'm not, being, I'm not here to critique. But there is an obsession over us that we think it's all about us. Listen, the Great Commission is not about you. It's about, well, it is from the standpoint of, hey, this is what I want you to do. Now, here's what, here's what Steve said. Contrary to Western evangelicalism's obsession with the individual, individual, discipleship is and always has been a group project. No one in the New Testament followed Jesus independent of other followers. Their faith was lived out in a community of other followers. In other words... We're connected to one another. Thank you, Jeremy. In other words, I'm connected to the community. Can you imagine Matthew, the tax collector? I'm going to follow Jesus. Ooh, but there's Peter and John. They're low class. I'm high class. They're low class. How many of you know when you come to Jesus, there's no class? We're all followers. And we need one another. I got a couple minutes for you run off on me. Some of you sitting in this room today don't really think you need other people in your life. Some of you here today are afraid to let other people in your life. Some of you here today have had experiences that have put a big wall up. And when I say Sunday circles, you get the rigors. And you're just happy staring at the back of somebody's head. That's not discipleship. You know what I did last weekend before I went to, I came, we had our pastor's conference, our Church on the Rock Network of Ministers and they gave me 45 minutes to talk about daddy issues. You know what I had to do in front of my peers? I had to, had to tell them about my daddy issues. I had to get kind of transparent, didn't I, Jim? It's kind of embarrassing, matter of fact. But it worked, I guess. You can't, you can't hide those things. Everybody already knows. If you're going to be a disciple, and listen, there's no way around that. You cannot convince me that the Holy Ghost or the Word of God teaches you and tells you to stay disconnected from a local body of believers. I'll fight you to the core over that one. You tell me the Holy Ghost told you that, I'll tell you, you're listening to a ghost, but it ain't the Holy Ghost. Because the whole thing of Scripture is connect and get together and check in, don't check out. 
Oh, I see them check out all the time. I've been doing this thing for a while, Beverly. How long have we been doing this? Since 1983, full time. Okay? I've seen people check out. Hey, I've seen people check out of this church in the last few weeks going, and for the silliest things. Be careful, Pastor. You might offend somebody. I'm offended a little bit. Because, come on, we got a great commission to accomplish. We can't let the little pity, pity party things and the petty things of life keep us from being family. Listen, when my family had an issue last week over, over lunch, I lost the battle, by the way. We went somewhere and ate a pita pocket. It was really cool. Josh, I'm sorry. And I'm glad y'all left because my wife was out in the parking lot in the middle going, which way do we go? Which way do we go? But you know what? I love my family. Come give me a hug, Josh. It ain't no big deal. Come on, brother. Peter Pocket, I don't care, man. I don't care. It was good. It was good. My wife went up to order, and you, it's one of those places you've got to work to get figure out what you're going to eat. I don't go to those places. Don't make me build my biscuits. I, just show me a picture. I'll take that. I don't want. Ryan took me to Witchy Witch or something. And you had to, it's just this massive choices. I Just show me a picture. I told my wife, she went up to, she said, come here and tell me what you want. I said, no, just put something on it. No, I didn't want to go to Witchy Witch. Or... Anyway, our family made it. We're all, we love each other. We're not going to let lunch keep us from fellowship. We're not going to let the petty thing. Am I going to check out or check in? You know what? Sometimes I get people coming to this church. You know what they just did when they came here? They checked out. I can see it on their face. And you talk to them very long, it starts oozing out. Well, where, where, well, we used to go to. Uh, I go, oh, okay. Some people have a hat. I've been gone all week, pardon me. I've been hanging out with dudes. People I can't understand. And by the way, uh, what'd you say uh, Delfino said to me? Delfino said it's been a year since I've seen you. Oh, That made me lose my place. But let me say, let me just, cl- let me try to get out of this. I've been here a while. I've seen people, and I smile at them every time I see them. They, they checked out of here pretty quick. Then they went there, and then they checked out of there pretty quick. And they checked out, and you know what? They're still checking in and checking out, and they think the Lord's leading them to persecute all the preachers in town. <laughs> I'm loving my preaching today. Come on, let's be honest. The Lord doesn't lead you to four different churches in a year. You're just running from something. You're hiding. I was in a church service one day. I'm serious. It was a pretty uh, uh, exuberant service. And 
And, and the choir started singing this. Come out of that corner, you can't hide. Come out of that corner, you can't hide. Man, I said, I'm, ooh, it scared me. What were they saying? You can't be hiding. You got to get out of the corner. So everybody say, come out of that corner, you can't hide. I was about to check out of that service, but. I got pastor friends been pastoring for 30 something years in the same place. And I ask them, what's the secret of your longevity? And you know what they'd basically say? I just stay longer than they do. I don't let the sheep and their bites and things keep me from doing what God wants us to do. Listen. All that to say, we got to make some decisions. If you're going to be a disciple, there's some decisions we all have to make. And see, my crankiness got us past 12. But let me go through them for you. Am I going to hang on or let go? Am I going to have faith or have fear? Am I going to be a fan or a follower? Am I going to be bold or be quiet? Am I going to step up or step back? Am I going to check in or check out? Let's stand up. Those are decisions all of us need to make. That Jesus was always calling us to a place. Father, we thank you today. I want the ushers to come with the communion up to the front here as we close today. It's going to be a very special time of closing. Jesus taught us when he, prior to his death, burial, and resurrection, he made it clear to those who were concerned about eat my flesh, drink my blood, that he was not talking about his actual body, but his spiritual man. He said, this is my body, which is broken for you. As often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim my death until you come. And as we close today, if you're making a decision to follow him, I want to encourage you to come and take the communion. You can just take the, uh, 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 one of the representations of the body and one of the, the cups and walk aside and step aside and use this altar for a few moments and say, Lord, today, as I remember the choice you made to die for me, the price you paid for me I choose to follow you I choose to give my life to you to let you be the Lord and the leader of my life Father we thank you for what you've done for us on the cross in Jesus name Amen today no pressure for you to come this way if you'd like to partake communion I'm encourage you to come and do that and you're dismissed at your leisure Take as long as you want or as short as you want. God bless you. Thank you so much. We love you. See you Wednesday night.